from the style closet in the back corner of the Huffington Post in New York City. This is the Weird News Podcast. I'm Buck Wolf, and I'm sitting here with what might be the future of investment, the future of lifestyle, the future of everything, because the future is perhaps in weed. The future, uh, the gold rush, is a green rush, some say. And I'm here with Leslie Bosker. Greetings and salutations, Buck. A pleasure to be here. There's so many things about you um, that are amazing. You are uh, founding chairman of the Nevada Can- Cannabis Industry Association. You are an investment banker. You are a hedge fund manager. And you've got a beard worthy of uh, competition. And I hear from your publicist, it's unregulated, which seems, <laughs> which seems quite likely. So you are making sense of this fast-changing world of marijuana as it's being legalized across the country. Everyone, I think, in the last year has been talking about the essentially the repeal of prohibition. All the magazine covers are what this means, what the investment opportunities are, what the lifestyle changes, who will the winners and losers be. I mean, pot will be redefined. Pot, 15 years ago, when I was a kid, was something you'd associate with the Grateful Dead and with um, slackers. And uh, 15 years from now, um, it will, pot will pot, going on a pot vacation will be like going to uh, parts of California on a wine tour. Um, and it's up to people like you to define what it will be. And it's been weird news for the past five years, but it's actually from now on it's luxury news. And people like us who always believed in the legalization and believed that it was harmless and were outraged that people spent long amounts of jail for having a little amount of weed on them uh, are now vindicated and some people are going to be investing accordingly and making a lot of money. So tell me how to make a lot of money. <laughs> well, there's some tremendous opportunities, and the changes that are taking place are going to be manifold. And it's not just a U.S. issue. It's really an international thing that's taking place. Uh, Spain just decriminalized cultivation. Australia is looking at medical marijuana. Croatia just legalized medical marijuana. Uruguay just made cannabis legal on a national basis. As you know, Justin Trudeau just got elected prime minister of Canada, and one of the things that he said is he was going to make sure that cannabis was legalized on a federal basis in Canada. So the opportunities, what's going on is not just limited to the United States, it's something that's truly international. And in terms of the economics of it, it's more far-reaching at this point than anybody really knows. There was a time when the internet was this unknown, when people said, you know, well, what's the internet and why would I ever do anything there? And then that, that was 1995. Then eight years later, every university had web design and had had um, internet-based technology classes and marketing, and it changed everything. Well, in the same way, the cannabis industry is going to change things in a dramatic way across the country and around the world as it comes out of being a black market, an unregulated, unregulated market to being a regulated market. And so we'll see many different things change as a result of it. So tell me what the world's going to look like 15 years from now. Will I be, where will I be going for my uh, vacation? If, like, you know, my wife uh, is not, wouldn't define herself as, a, as like a heavy drinker, but she is a connoisseur of fine wines. She wants to appreciate the differences. She likes the luxury, the history, the culture around it. And for people who are connoisseurs of pot, the same, same will exist. 
Absolutely true. So 15 years from now, not even that far out, when you go to restaurants in many areas, you're going to be able to sit down and look at the wine list and the cannabis list, the blends, things that you can engage in before you eat dinner that can help you enjoy the meal more, that are going to pair better with certain things. There will be wine pairings with cannabis pairings. You will go on vacations to parts of California, to parts of Oregon, the Pacific Northwest, um, Canada, and other areas where you'll go on cannabis tours, and you'll be able to see what's going on and how it's grown and how it's, how, you know, what the different blends are and how certain things have certain effects and work in certain areas, etc. You're going to see nutraceuticals that are going to be produced and supplements that are produced on the cannabis plant that are non-psychoactive, that will be part of your daily regimen. There'll be cannabidiol and, and other things that, that are, you'll be taking in and alpha-pinene and these other terpenes that are part of the plant that will make a big difference. You're going to see pharmaceutical drugs that are going to change the way we treat things like seizure disorders, PTSD, muscular dystrophy, uh, multiple sclerosis, cancer treatments, and more that are all going to be based on this. And they'll be very prominent. There'll be pharmaceuticals that will be available that will change things likely as much as penicillin changed the way we deal with bacterial infection. You'll see industrial hemp changing the way we look at paper production, Pulp paper mills based on timber will become a thing of the past because they're so grossly inefficient, whereas hemp is something that can be renewable in a more rapid basis and more. I'll tell you something. Um, everyone was talking about investing in marijuana, and there's a lot of pad petty stocks associated with marijuana companies and ancillary marijuana companies, and they've been sort of up and down, very volatile. Make me money, man. So, make me a rich man. So, so, and I want to pay less for dope. Well, I want to make money with my investments <laughs> and pay less for dope. Help me, Leslie. Okay, well, Buck, I'll tell you a couple things that are going to be really interesting. First off, this is an, an opportunity for entrepreneurs, an entrepreneurity that has never existed before. The reason for that is we're taking this gigantic industry to give you some scope in 2010, the Rand Corp did a study. It, it estimated the size of the industry at approximately $50 billion a year, the illegal recreational market. To give you a, in the United States, to give you an idea of what that is, NFL, NBA, Major League Baseball, and NHL together, I think, are around $35 billion. Mm -hmm. So in 2010, it was bigger than all major league sports in the United States. That's just recreational. That's not the medical marijuana industry that's going to likely grow to about $10 billion by 2018. That's not pharmaceutical industry based on cannabis. That's not the nutraceutical industry based on cannabis. I mention the size of it because as we see it being migrated into a regulated market, people get to be entrepreneurs and start businesses, invest in them, get involved in them. Normally when you see an industry explode like this, at first you have the small entrepreneurs and then big business comes in. The big agriculture companies, the big alcohol companies, the big tobacco companies, the big retailers, they would normally come in and they'd start taking over, making acquisitions, and then they'd, they'd dominate it. This is the first time in the history of the country we're seeing an industry built on this scale when big business can't come in. The federal illegality is actually creating an opportunity for entrepreneurs and entrepreneurial investment that's never existed before. 
So there's a, a tremendous opportunity to make money at it. We've compared this to the repeal of prohibition in the 1930s, yes. but it's not really like that because alcohol, wine, beer, it never had any sort of medicinal imp- implication. Um, it d- doesn't have the uses. And, and that's leaving aside hemp, which is this total other big business. That's right. And so you're absolutely right. The repeal of prohibition is – and also the re- prohibition was only for a short period. It was like 19 – uh, 14, 1910 to 1933. This has been since the 1930s till 2015. And so it's allowed the black market to become much more robust and much larger. Um, as well, you're right. The panacea that cannabis appears to be at this point certainly didn't apply to alcohol. You weren't going to use alcohol to treat people with childhood seizure disorders. You weren't going to use alcohol to treat people with PTSD. Now, when we talk about winners, we got to talk about losers. Are you going to put the, 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 the beer and wine industry on its ass? I mean, is cigar aficionado going to have to lose audience to ganja aficionado? So I like to, to – when I get asked that question, I like to come back with a question to most people. And I say, if you're a cannabis user, do you also buy beer and wine? Almost all of them say yes. Mm-hmm. Do many of them smoke tobacco products? A lot of them do. Pipes, cigars sometimes. So I don't think it's going to put anything – out of business, there yeah, may be a change in behavior. things. You know that economics <laughs> is making choices of how to use a finite number of dollars. That's right. Marijuana might be a more pleasant way to take the edge off than uh, uh, well, beer wine. Let's talk about it this way. In Colorado, they've discovered that crime overall has gone down significantly since the introduction of recreational cannabis. I think we're going to see things skewing to people who will be using cannabis when at times when they might be doing something else, and you're going to see it be a, a better world for it. And it's so volatile right now because things could change so much depending on just th- this election, right? Things will change. It is a rapidly evolving environment. Right. I, I mean, if you take a step back, you could say marijuana legalization is coming. It just means how soon, how fast. We've seen a lot of the political candidates evolve in their positions on this. For example, my favorite one is Chris Christie, who prior to the last debate kept saying that he would absolutely enforce all federal laws were he elected to the White House. And then when he was in the debate, he said he supports medical marijuana and they have it in New Jersey. No one expected the hardest line Republican to come out and say that he actually supports medical marijuana, but he did on stage in front of America. And so we're seeing a lot of people evolve on this. It has become one of the only truly bipartisan issues we find in our federal government today. Yeah. Uh, we find Rand Paul and Cory Booker on the same bills. I mean, when does that happen? Right? Yeah. And But yet cannabis has brought them together. We find uh, Senator Heller from Nevada on the same bill as Cory Booker. I mean, that's like, it, it is is completely unexpected. And so I'd say that there is a lot of change in front of us. Five to seven years from now, we'll probably see the repeal of federal prohibition through the declassification, the descheduling of cannabis, removing it from the schedule of controlled substances so it gets treated like tobacco, alcohol, or caffeine. And that's where we're headed. Every April 20th, HuffPost Weird News has a 420 gift guide. Every year, it gets just a little more sophisticated. This year, so we got a branded Weird News vaporizer. I bet that the gifts in the years to come are going to be more upscale, aimed uh, at a different sort of market, and uh, it's going to be 
pretty luxurious. Uh, one of the ones that I hope is on your gift, if it's not on your list, it should be. Well, we have next is, year. You, we'll uh, talk about it. The MyDX Analyzer. For $700, there's a Bluetooth-enabled device that you pair to your phone that you can put cannabis into it and it will perform what is almost the equivalent of a spectrographic analysis telling you what the potency is what the uh, terpene content is and then showing you how that compares to what other people have used what other strains people have used in terms of its ability to provide relief for pain to provide relief for insomnia to be an, uh, a more of a an elevating feeling or more of a sedative feeling etc that's a little clinical for me I want something written like the New York Times wine column you know it's like a, it's rounded a, earthy quality uh, <laughs> uh, you know all those adjectives that one learns about only in a wine thing but I I need that applied to marijuana. Yes. I, want, I want someone to turn it into sort of like a Walt Whitman poem. Yes. Well, people people are getting a lot more a lot more um, poetic with it, and they're uh, starting to have descriptions that are more along the lines of how you describe you know wine, uh, robust yet blunt, um, yeah. something like that. And uh, this, but this device is just an incredible thing. And as a gadget, this thing is. It's like traveling into Star Trek and then being able to bring something back. Yeah. It's fantastic. What are the products you got out there? There's a vaporizer company that's a home vaporizer that I think is you're going to hear more about um, called uh, from a, a company called Exhale. They're making a home vaporizer that's Bluetooth enabled. So you'll be able to control what you do with a vaporizer, once again, from your phone. You can set the temperature. You can um, set temperature cycles, et cetera, to produce the type of vapor that you want out of it. Think of it the way you would like a you know, having a wine refrigerator to chill the wine before you drink it to make sure it's at the exact right temperature and, and, and then an aerator to make sure the wine's breathed. You're going to see things like that for cannabis and the Vape Exhale product is a great example of that. Uh, another great product that you should absolutely have on here that definitely falls into the weird news category in my opinion, that is the um, Potbotics BrainBot. They're coming out with first a physician one, which is an EEG that's meant specifically for registering brain activity while using cannabis. So, oh, that's so cool. And then they're going to have a home one that plugs into your phone. So you'll be able to put on your own home EEG, your electroencephalogram, at home, plug, tie it to your phone, and then use it to take in what your favorite strain is, whatever it might be, while you're watching a movie or whatever your other your activities are, and then actually see your brain activity as it's happening. So you can then not have just the subjective, well, I feel this way, but you'll also have much, be much better objective empirical data that you can draw from. And that's a New York company. They're here in New York, Potbotics. And that will encourage, make me enjoy smoking pot and it won't like discourage me? Probably more for people that are using it for medical marijuana reasons, oh. where they want to be able to see, oh, is this helping me with PTSD? Is this helping me with anxiety? Is this helping me with my pain? And they want to actually see what's happening in their brain activity when they're taking it in. Right now, we're in uh, uh, Greenwich Village in New York City. Um, we're on 9th Street and Broadway. You walk a couple streets, go, go down, uh, say, St. Mark's Place. Almost every store is selling pipes, bomb, bongs, some sort of accoutrement. What will those stores be like a few years from now? Right now, it's sort of a pleasing cottage industry. There's definitely going to be some big players there. There, there will be. 
um, it will come out of the closet, so to speak. They won't be, li- they'll still be the little stories, just like you have, you know, but they'll be more boutique oriented. They won't be as much of a part of a subculture. It'll be culture. And at that point, you'll see bigger ones, fancier ones, things that uh, present things in more of a Williams Sonoma type mm-hmm. of fashion for cannabis. In some ways, it will be leading edge culture because this is going to be where people really are who are at the cutting edge, just like they were with the internet and things like that. How many times when you're in board meetings do people say, like, you must be stoned? You know, it's funny. Um, people automatically assume that sometimes people aren't drunk at meetings and they're not going to be high at meetings, although the impairment that comes from cannabis is significantly different from what we'd expect from anything else. And there are people who will be using cannabinoid therapies during the day in the same way there are people that use um Aspirin, Advil, Tylenol, or any, and, and, or any other type of prescription medication yep. that use it all the time. But in terms of the recreational or adult use aspect of it, you know, it'll just be something that people do when they have their free time, when they're home, before dinner, after dinner, on their weekends, when they're out in the woods hiking, things like that. How did you get from Transylvania over to this room? So my family's from Transylvania. I was born in New York City. Oh, okay. I never, ever would have expected that I would be working in the legal cannabis industry. Although I've been sympathetic from my, to it for my entire life, and I was aware of books um, by Jack Herrera and other activists. Started being and, sympathetic about it around the, the ninth grade or so. <laughs> <laughs> and I got very sympathetic by the time I was around 17. Um, I actually stopped having anything to do with it for a long time because, to be quite honest, whenever I used it, I, was, uh, I, I got anxious. And um, for a long time, I, you know, I didn't drink, I didn't smoke, I didn't do anything, not because I, you know, just because I was living that type of life, doing a lot of yoga, things like that. Mm -hmm. And um, I was working in finance, and uh, I found that what I was interested in were um, looking for the industries and the businesses that fundamentally change the way we live and do business on a massive scale. And that was what was interesting to me. And to that end, one of the industries I looked into was the casino industry. So I went out to Las Vegas to do some research. While I was there, I discovered that medical marijuana wasn't just that thing they do in California, that there was actually you know, a, a, a burgeoning industry. And so I started to really look into it. And then we saw the election of 2012, where Washington and Colorado made uh, recreational legal for the first time. And it was really unexpected to me. When I saw that, I thought that was a major inflection point, And I took a very deep dive into the implications of what it would mean on a larger basis in other states and throughout the country and the world overall. The social justice issues and more motivated me to get involved in it to the exclusion of everything else. It it seemed like in that election, that actually might have helped uh, President Obama get reelected in that uh, it brought people out to the uh, the polls who wouldn't ordinarily vote. Um, But uh, to me, it seems like uh, what you're saying earlier, it's a issue that crosses uh, across party lines. I don't think anything could be more libertarian in a lot of states than um, the right to smoke what you want to smoke. That's right. Smoke what you want to smoke, eat what you want to eat, do you know? Do it the yeah. way you want to do it in the privacy of your own home, absolutely. And, and that's why um, we are seeing more states and more, uh, you know, we are seeing the um, the politic, the body politics start to follow the will of the people more. I think that the latest poll showed that it was polling nationally at 58 to 60 percent in favor of full adult use on a federal basis. And so the fact that the politicians aren't following that is just incredible to me and to others. So you're out there with your wife now. Tell me about your family, like the, the whole like, uh, I mean, you have kids? We have one child. His name is Sagan. And how um, old is he's Sagan? four years old. By the time like Sagan goes to school, do you think like there'll be no stigma on like having a dad 
in um there'll be there will be none there'll be none he's gonna it's gonna be a completely different world for him and um it will be a much more sensible world and it will be a much more rational world and because it isn't something illegal there won't be the sort of the uh, attraction to doing something that's uh, rebellious in the same way and um when it's regulated we tend to what that does is it keeps it out of the hands of kids you know they say in a in a market that doesn't have any regulation the dispensaries are in the schools if you want to know where to get it, go talk to a high school kid. But when it's regulated and you have somebody that has a license, then they're not going to want to sell it to a child. And so it's going to be less likely to be in the hands of kids when it is regulated. Right. And when I mentioned uh, uh, friends of mine uh, who, uh, who buy who buy marijuana without thinking twice about it, people who would otherwise not break the law, they would rather pay more if that were if that were the case to buy it legally than to uh, support an illegal enterprise. That's right. Let's look into the future a little bit. Mm-hmm. And so what we're going to see is that on a national basis, once this is not illegal, you will find so many tens of millions of people that are going to say, you know what, now that it's not breaking the law, now that I can do it legally, now that I can know that it's been tested and it has been grown in some basement with God knows what being sprayed on it, now that I know when I go buy it, should there be a recall, I'll know what what has been recalled and I can bring it back. Now that I know I can return it to the store where I purchased it if it doesn't work out and uh, uh, and that it's going to be this greater variety than I ever would have expected. You'll find tens of millions of people that are going to come out and start using it in the United States alone. And then when you start, and they'll doing, use it safely. And they'll use it safely. That's mm-hmm. right. And they're not going to have to worry about getting arrested. And they're not going to have to worry that it's been sprayed with paraquat or some other type of contaminant or some fungicide. Or that's something from back in the eighties, kids. Know, Most of you weren't born. There's this thing called paraquat <laughs> sprayed on pot. It was bad. But other th- other additives have been put on pot. They're very bad. And we're not even addressing all the people who really, really hurt themselves now with all these synthetics that oh, are I'm not real gonna... poison. No, that's right. And that, once again, in, in an unregulated market where we're treating cannabis or uh, even other types of drugs as a, 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 a law enforcement issue rather than a public health issue, everything goes wrong. It, it ends up being a burden on our system in the billions of dollars to p- put people in jail. What is it? We have the highest incarceration rate per, per capita any, of any country in the world. We have 680,000 people per year that are arrested for cannabis-related issues. That has to stop. It doesn't help our economy. It doesn't help the children. It doesn't generate tax revenue. It sends money overseas that should be being yeah. kept here. And it doesn't create jobs. Right now, cannabis, the legal cannabis industry is the fastest growing industry in the United States. It's creating more jobs, very likely, than any other industry currently is in the United States. Will we be a cannabis exporting country or a cannabis importing country? California wines are consumed all over the world. So are Oregon wines all over the world. And so very likely, we will be a cannabis exporting country. You go to Humboldt County in uh, California and basically, uh, everyone there is growing weed, uh, even though it's not legal, I think, for the most part, to do that. Um, I'm not sure what the current laws are. It's a gray are. market. Now, gray market. I'm going to tell you something very interesting about California that ties into the two things you just mentioned. California was the first state to, regu- to, to um, legalize medical marijuana yes. in 1996. California just passed three laws that were signed into law by Jerry Brown, regulating the medical marijuana market for the first time there. And what was very interesting in that... They included a provision in it that says you can't claim that your cannabis is grown in a county when it's not grown there. 
So they're creating an appellation like you have for champagne or for whiskey and things like that. Mm -hmm. You can't call it bourbon if it's not from a sour mash, if it's not Kentucky sour mash. You can't call it scotch if it's not from the Highlands, the Isla, or one of the other areas. Champagne is a region. And you can't call it Humboldt if it's not from Humboldt. Ah. And that's the future, and that's absolutely where we're going to be headed. And you'll hum- see an appellation from California, and it will be an exporter. Yeah, my friend up in Humboldt says that uh, so many people are walking around making money from marijuana that if you go to Starbucks, you'll see a sign on the uh, window. They're like, you can't pay with $100 bills because everyone, oh, everyone just has a $100 bill there. They, 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 don't, they don't bother breaking them there. And let's talk. And that's another very that's another very serious issue, actually, and that is the banking issue. And so we are working. We at Electrum believe that the banking issue is going to be one of the major issues that gets solved in the next couple of years. Currently, because of the federal illegality, um, there are a limited number of banks that will actually accept deposits from people in the legal cannabis industry in states like Colorado, Nevada, uh, Oregon, Washington, where it's completely legal. And the people who link pot to crime. That is going to be a wild card because as long as these people can't put money in the bank, they're a they're creating a risk. They're uh, absolutely for, correct for, for a crime. Absolutely correct. It's a public it's a public safety issue, and it's a bad business issue. And we're working. And it's cre- a taxation issue. Uh, well, the taxation issue is a whole other thing. There's yeah. a there's a part of the Internal Revenue Code called Internal Revenue Code 280E that says that if you're involved in a business that's breaking. Um, federal law, in particular federal controlled substances law, you can't take any of the normal business expenses like employees and like insurance and rent and uh, garbage collection and things like that that are normal business expenses. You can't expense them as part of your tax filing. So the people in the legal cannabis industry currently get taxed at a much higher rate. That is also being solved. Um, People like Representative Earl Blumenauer from Oregon, who I just want to say a shout out because he is so fantastic on this issue. He's probably the longest serving politician in um, our government who has been behind this issue. And he has authored and sponsored and co-sponsored so many intelligent bills and one of the ones that he's uh, that he has been working on, two of the issues he's working on are banking and taxation for this industry, and we believe that he's going to be solving it in the near future. So, when you're in areas that it's legal, because I'm sure you're a lawful man, absolutely. Uh, do you do, do you enjoy marijuana? Um, I I have a medical marijuana recommendation from California, even though I'm a Nevada resident, mm-hmm. because they are. If you look at the 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 actual regulation, the law, but not the regulation. There is nothing in there that states that the California doctors can only recommend to California residents. The, and, and in the same way, the state of Maryland is implementing its medical marijuana law, and you'll be able to go get a medical marijuana recommendation in Maryland no matter where you live. Mm-hmm. And so, yes, when, I, uh, you know, when I'm in a place that is, is legal to use it, I do use it from time to time, mostly for therapeutic reasons at this point. And oh, so, uh, so would it be appropriate to ask, you know, what you prefer, how you like to imbibe, uh, uh, what 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 sort of uh, uh, varietals are your favorites? As varietals go, I tend to like the high CBD strains. I tend to like high CBD indica strains. One of the recent ones that I had that I really enjoyed um, was Northern Light CBD. Uh, there is a um, cultivator in California that goes by the name of Mr. Natural that has an SFV, a San Fernando Valley OG, that is fantastic. He had a Thai-based hybrid that was also incredible. I'm a big fan of the veganic cultivation methods that are used at Buds and Roses Collective in Los Angeles. The recent strains that I've really liked at Buds and Roses Collective were... um, 
Gorilla Glue mm-hmm. was really fantastic. Um, Larry OG was really good. Um, and uh, then my delivery methods, I, I don't smoke. I only vape. And so I think that, that you know, for me, I, I prefer that. And um, one of the other things that I really like, there's a company that we work with called Island Breeze that has the only measured dose inhaler. And for me, that solves a big problem. One of the most common negative experiences in cannabis um, use is overdosing. People right. get anxious and they, they, they it, and, and if I, they used less, they wouldn't get anxious. I don't know how to use a vape in that I'm used to like, smoking on a pipe or, or, or a cigarette and uh, you, you you just feel taking to the carcinogens which I guess aren't good for you at all um, but I just sort of like I'm used to taking it in that way and a vape is is, is so mild that I feel like there's nothing here. There's nothing to this. It's completely different. Well, you're not getting any of the byproducts of combustion. So when you're using a vaporizer, you avoid those byproducts. Yeah. And then with this particular thing, the Island Breeze Mistibus Inhaler, mm-hmm. um, I find that to be the single best method and my go-to method for utilizing it any time because it delivers a three milligram plus or minus 10% dose every time through my lungs. And that way I know exactly what I'm getting, how much I'm getting, um, and what the effect should be. And I'm able to control it. Do I want to use one puff, two puffs, three puffs, et cetera? And so that tends to be my personal go-to is to use that that inhaler because that way I never have to worry about having gotten too much. And it's also the cleanest way that I've found to take it in. What are the three things you're going to do next year to change the world? Well, I'm also the chairman of the Figment Project, which is an arts and cultural organization that holds events around the world in 12 different cities currently. We have a board meeting tomorrow night. We started out in, uh, in, uh, on Governor's Island here in New York. Um, and I'm going to be, that's going to be one of the things that we do that I think is going to help change the world and make it a better place. Um, I am going to continue to work in this industry and help um, bring sensible policies and sensible markets to bear by creating, uh, uh, helping to create um, and work with people in creating good regulatory frameworks that yeah. can be uh, deployed in other localities that can reduce incarceration, reduce the impact yeah. on community, and make for a better world for us to live in, as well as creating jobs, tax revenue for education, for law enforcement, for substance abuse counseling, and. Um, I'm going to continue to be happier, which uh, is the best thing I can do. Uh, Amen. Well, thank you. And thanks for working for this because I think it's going to make the country a better place and largely for the people who have been prosecuted uh, for this unfairly, but also for people who just want to do live their lives lawfully and enjoy something. I couldn't agree more. Thank you. Thank you for joining us. It's time for us to exhale. For the producer of today's show, Brad Shannon and Caitlin Baguki. Thank you for listening. This has been the HuffPost Weird News Podcast. Check us out on SoundCloud, on Stitcher, on iTunes. Rate us, review us, and thank you very much for supporting us. We're part of the Panoply Network, and we love them. Bye-bye, everybody. Weird out. <laughs>